0: Hello, I'm John Kelly and this is a podcast of Mystery Train. For rights reasons, the music is shorter than in the original programme. Mystery Train hits the rails Sunday to Thursday at 7pm on RTE Lyric FM. This is Mystery Train on RTE Lyric FM. This Sunday night special, where we get someone to pick the tracks. And my guest tonight, I'm glad to say, is the writer Nicole Flattery. Nicole, great to have you here.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: And Nicole, I um, I should just say, Nicole's book before we get started. Your book, um, Show Them a Good Time, is a collection of short stories uh, which originally came out on Stinging Fly. Yeah. And since that, there's more books on the way, and we'll talk about that as time goes on. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to go on very little other than when I. When I have a guest coming in, I do my homework. I yeah. do a bit of research. <laughs> and, and I thought, just for this purposes, because the first thing that came up was an interview with you in the Westmeath exam. <laughs> and I thought, well, we'll just, I'll just use that. As, as I'll just base everything. I'll base everything on this. Oh, OK. It begins, as Westmeath continues to establish itself as a big league supplier of talent to the world of, <laughs> to the world of arts and literature... The latest candidate to emerge in the county's colours is Kinnegad born writer Nicole Flattery. Nicole, is Westmeath a, a, a big league supplier of talent to the worlds of arts and literature?
1: I feel now really ashamed I didn't pick a Joe Dolan song. <laughs> and <laughs> well, I really should so, have. Apart
0: from Joe, God bless him. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great when the local paper gets behind you. Yeah. 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 It
1: was a very enthusiastic interview. I remember doing it. And yeah, I was very pleased with it.
0: Now, on page four of your book, this is how forensic this program is. <laughs> <laughs> on page four of your book, in the first story, yeah, which is the title story, showed mm-hmm. them a good time. It says, before the garage, my hometown was famous amongst people with car sickness. It was here they stood retching and spewing before moving on somewhere better. Mm. Kindergarten was, for, <laughs> to a lot of people, was a bit of a, a, a blockage in the road for a long yeah, time, wasn't but- it?
1: You know, that's a sort of, um, they, someone asked me recently if that was based on Kinegad, but no, not really. It's just
0: imaginative reach. It's a strange coincidence. <laughs> it is a coincidence. <laughs> though. All right, well, like, we'll talk about Kinnegad and everything else <laughs> in, in just a moment, Nicole. Your first choice is Sharon Van Etten, yeah. which is a, a fine choice. Uh, what, have you, what do you want to hear from Sharon?
1: Um, I'd like to hear the song 17, which is from her most recent album. That's my favourite song of hers. I saw her recently, she played Dublin, yep. she played Vicar Street, in, I can't remember, Can a few remember, months ago, yep. but she was great. I'm Sharon, a huge fan
0: on and... That's Sharon Van Etten and a song called 17. The first choice tonight of my guest, Nicole Flattery, the author of Show Him a Good Time, a collection of really excellent short stories. Nicole's with me tonight. Well, if you've just joined us, we've established the fact that uh, Nicole comes from (laughs) Kinegad. And we've established the fact that the first reference to a town on the road on page four, most famous amongst people with car sickness, it was here they stood wretched, is not a reference (laughs) to to, to Kinnegad. It's one of the things about your stories though, Nicole, you don't, you don't, specifically locate them mm-hmm. anywhere as far as I can tell throughout the whole book.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that there is, you know, quite like obvious references like in the longest story in the book, you probably know it's mm.
0: a college in Dublin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but I mean, you don't use street names, place names, no, townland names, nothing no,
1: like that. No, I don't. I feel that's because like generally when I'm starting to write something, it usually comes from voice. I don't really specifically write from place. Mm. And then, you know, small towns in Ireland, which I write about a lot. They just, they just seem homogenous to me in, in some kind of way. So, mm. yeah, I don't generally write from place. Um, although I just saying to you, I, I did write something uh, quite recently set in London where I did name places, and I found that useful to me for what's.
0: It's kind of odd because when, particularly, you know, you read the first story, mm. and at the end of it, I started thinking, "Hang on a minute, where was this? Yeah, what?" period are we in mm. it's quite you, mm. you, you, you have to go back and figure out mm. uh, even is it in the future <laughs> you know, it,
1: could, you know it, it might have been um, I, yeah I think if I, like well when I'm writing I'm kind of um, I write sort of abstractly and I'm looking for a tone that would sort of unnerving and I think if you don't name mm. everything if you're not specific about everything you, you can hit get there like much
0: quicker and is this a technique or a, an approach that you had on yourself or had you come across this somewhere else
1: um no, I remember when even when I was starting to write when I was quite younger, being quite reluctant to name anything. I mm. wonder why that is. So I don't get in trouble, maybe. Possibly.
0: <laughs> I yeah. Well, most people just change the names, yeah. you know. Or but it and I and I would imagine it would cause you. It hasn't caused you any. I would mm. imagine it would cause difficulties to leave out the names of places and mm. towns and so on, just mm. just to help you write it actually. Mm. But then you've got the place in your head, yeah. Don't you?
1: I have a place. It's in my mind pretty clearly. And yeah. is
0: that place I ever kindergarten?
1: Um, then that particular story that we read there, there's a petrol station Yeah. Uh, in the it's set in a petrol station. And I had the petrol station in my mind, which is um a petrol station that you used to, that you come, like it's the first one you meet when you come to Kinnegad because my sister used to work there when I was a child and she mm. was about 15 and I thought it was a really cool job and I wanted to work at a petrol station and I just always was in my mind because I understood that world really easily because I was always there.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although it's not the same petrol station we ought to, we ought to, we ought to stress. <laughs> Any books to read them. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to continue with the Westmeath yeah. Examiner here. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, apart from, We've already gone through uh, Westmeath being claimed here as a big mm. league supplier of talent to the worlds of arts and literature. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you created a lot of excitement in the literary press, it says here, when it was this, I love the local press for this because they love this, that the internationally known publishing house Bloomsbury internationally known yeah had agreed to a two book deal we're not going to get into the vulgarities but for a hefty sum as well so I mean I want to congratulate you for that Thank first you. but how has that how has that affected your your, uh, your writing because you're kind of I know you've been writing for a long time yeah. but the Stinging Fly collection of short stories get you up and running yeah You get some traction Mm. and then suddenly you're, you know, the world moves, Mm -hmm. everything shifts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Has it shifted in a way that's not necessarily perfect either? Mm. I mean, too much, too soon or any of those sorts of ideas going through your head?
1: Um, Yeah, (laughs) Um, definitely. Like I feel that Well, one thing it's done, it's given me just because of things I've had to do in promoting promoting the book last time like before you know I had a lot of time which is Mm. what you need when you're writing Mm. so now it's kind of more within a tighter time frame and also you know you suddenly have like a lot more people's voices in your head like I have like critics voices and well ignore ignore them (laughs) Wesby examiner's voices (laughs) they're very supportive don't ignore the Wesby examiner whatever you do
0: but for instance when you write that first book you know you I mean, will you tell me what the circumstances were? I, I, mm. I guess, what, did you just send a story to The Stinging Fly? and yeah. As lots of people do, and it, it got published, and yeah. then the, they took an interest, I guess.
1: I had my first story, Hump, published in The Stinging Fly. Then I worked on a couple more, and then I won the White Review Prize, and then Declan offered to do the collection. I guess I was writing a, a lot in, in my 20s, and, you know, came from a place that was, like, quite broke and, you know, quite dissatisfied there's a lot about work in the book and quite dissatisfied with like the idea of work which was you know it's totally changed for my generation and yeah I think it came from a lot of that kind of anger and stuff and I now have I'm in a different position so I'm writing from somewhere kind of different yeah uh, which is which is new and like exciting but I'm not driven in the same way that I would have been probably in my 20s you know
0: and there are also people waiting for it. Yeah. Not least, not least the people who have given you the hefty sum to <laughs> freshen their emails to, 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 go, to go to go and write the thing. Yeah, yeah. but it is—it's a very changed circumstance. I mean, yeah. it seems—it seems ideal in a way. Mm. You know, most writers dream of that. They—they—they they, yeah. they, they, after their first book, the big—the mm. big guys swoop in and, and yeah. offer you money. But it's not perfect either uh, in, in lots of ways.
1: No, it's not perfect, and I think the most important thing to do is probably just forget about that and. Write for yourself, you know, like as you've always kind of, as of I've yeah. always kind of done.
0: And where are you at with that?
1: Yeah, good. I'm taking yeah. along. I feel okay. It's
0: only two books. <laughs> only
1: two, yeah, it's only <laughs> two, you know. Nothing to panic about. <laughs> no
0: pressure. Oh, by the way, uh, before we go any further, your name Flattery. Yeah. I don't think it's that common in name. No. Is, it, is it a version of Old Flattery or something? I don't or? know.
1: I started thinking, I never really thought about my surname until this year. Right. And every single, like, subheading or whatever was, like, a pun. Of course. And on my surname. And then I, there was one book review that, like, made four different jokes on my second name. And I was like, oh, my God, they're having so much fun with this. But, yeah, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know many things about other flatteries. I'm sure they're out there, though. You should find out. It's a
0: great name. <laughs> yes. Your next track is Sin Sister. Mm. So tell me about this.
1: Um Yeah, I think the, uh, they're um, kind of young Irish band. They're two two women I did an event with them at All Together Now, mm. and I think they're just brilliant.
0: I saw part of that. It yeah. was great.
1: Yeah, it was really good. I just really enjoyed listening to them talk about their work as well and their lyrics. And yeah, I think they're brilliant. So
0: Okay, Saint I'm, Sister, and this is called Is It Too Early? Brackets, Kilmainham. Saint Sister there, and uh, Is It Too Early, um, the choice of Nicole Flattery, who's uh, with me in studio, Nicole, the author, the author of Show Them a Good Time, and two other books which we haven't seen yet, but we will. We <laughs> one will, other, one other. We, we, we <laughs> will, well, 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 your deal's for two, though, isn't two, it? Two, yeah,
1: it's for that one. Oh, oh they're, they're doing yeah. that one as yeah. well.
0: Oh, so Bloomsbury are going to bring out the Yeah, short they story. have that. Oh, they've got, edge, got that one out, okay. and then the novel.
1: Yeah, I was right. just panicking there, I was like, one other.
0: <laughs> okay, one other. Have you got a title for it yet?
1: I do, yeah. It's going to be called um, Nothing Special, hopefully.
0: Are you sure about
1: that? Yeah, I'm really setting myself up. I set myself up with this title too. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I'm making I'm it easy for critics. So I just feel bad for critics.
0: Paul, <laughs> Brady, Paul Brady brought out a, a sort of a greatest hits album once and it was called Nobody Knows. It was one of his songs, yeah. but the title was Nobody Knows Paul Brady. <laughs> and, and he knew what he was doing, you know, but I thought... Mm. <laughs> these things can be used against you. So uh, you have no idea where the flattery name comes from. But you know where you come from yourself. Yeah, I do. Which is kindergarten, even though you don't necessarily declare it very often in the book. No, I don't declare it in the book. So what what, what did your folks do?
1: My dad was a teacher. He's retired now. He was an English teacher at a boys' school in Tullamore. And my mum, also retired, was an accountant.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. And... Books in the house?
1: Yeah, a lot of books in the house. So me and my sister, I just have one older sister, um, big readers. My dad was a person who, like, encouraged that and brought us to the library and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, very bookish house. My mother doesn't really read, but (laughs) the rest, yeah, no, she doesn't. Um, She doesn't have the patience for it, I don't think. But, uh, yeah, the three of us would have been...
0: And when your dad's an English teacher mm. w- does that mean that when you go to the library he's kind of directing you as to what to take out? or do you
1: No, he never directed me but he w- he often let me take books out from the adult section before yeah. my time and yeah. that was nice. I appreciated that. He'd have known what they were though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Stephen King and stuff. And because my sister was five years older than me I wanted to read what she was reading. Like yeah. That was really my only goal. So like when she went up to like the young adult section of the library, that's what I also wanted to do. Yeah. And I think I like kicked up a fuss and I I, I got to go
0: early. <laughs> but and, and did you did you make sense, of course, when you're talking about young adult books or, or adult books, you're yeah. talking about Stephen King, really, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that kind, kind of kind stuff. Of thing, like, yeah. yeah. Because sometimes kids want to read the grown-up books, and there's no point because they won't understand yeah, what's going yeah, on. Yeah. In yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: and I, I don't get that. There's real like all those books I read as a teenager. You know, it's still a real pleasure to be derived from from reading the right book at the at the right time. Were you know? We a big Stephen
0: King fan? Yeah. I was.
1: Yeah, I, went, I I was just thinking about that because I saw the the, the new Ed film. But uh, yeah, I was. I was a m- massive fan. I read Carrie at like just the right age, I wow. think.
0: Yeah, and The Shining and all those. He sure knows how to write a story, doesn't he?
1: He does, yeah. And then he kind of tapers off towards the end, mm. I always feel. But yeah, I was big into them. And I was like into all the kind of like Sweet Valley High, like anything my sister was reading, oh. I was also reading. So I could, you know, engage with her about that. <laughs> and, and
0: and what, what were your favorite? I mean, apart from, apart from Stephen King and that kind of thing, mm. you, were you reading any of the books that your dad might have been teaching, say, at school? Were you reading the, any of the classics or that sort of thing?
1: no but he always made us um like he always like made us read a lot of poetry so huh. if he was like teaching poetry and he taught a lot even certainly we would have read poetry with him and stuff like that but he never made me read anything that was, like, essential to me. Now, what
0: are the circumstances? You said, make you read yeah. and read with him. Mm. So what would happen? Because it was all gather around now, we're going to have, we're gonna <laughs> God have some... God, you have very romantic... It's a very
1: romantic s- image. No way. <laughs> have some poetry. Yeah, no. And, uh, how, how would that happen? He would just, like, suggest, like, certain poems for us to read. I remember reading, like, Midterm Break and things like that when I was, yeah. like, quite young. And, yeah, it was a good, yeah. good, useful thing to have. And it was great. I remember for my Leaving Cert when I did Macbeth, because he taught Macbeth, some like for so long he knew it like off by heart essentially. So he was a great person to have around.
0: And of course, I'm <laughs> assuming that, uh like most places, mm. he taught in a boys' school. So therefore, he didn't teach you. No, no, he didn't. Yeah, I'd say that would be tricky though. Uh, if
1: you'd, uh, yeah, thank God. If you'd to teach class. <laughs> now,
0: according to the Westmeath Examiner, to return to it again, you went to Saint Etchens. Yeah, National primary School. Yeah, primary school. Yeah. Who? No, you see, you don't know who the flatteries are. You probably yeah. don't know who St. Etchen is. No. <laughs> I've never come across St. Etchen before. No, Really? For, forgive me, people of West I could Nine. look
1: into that if that need, like I can. There could be a, a whole
0: novel that. in St. Etchen. <laughs> there, there might be. And then you went to Loretta and Mullingar. Yeah,
1: it's a girl's school. So, yeah. yeah.
0: The next choice, Nicole, yeah. is oh, Amy Winehouse.
1: That is indeed. Um, I guess I love this song from... Uh, just it reminds me of like actually kind of being in school and like being like 17, 18 and she was such a cultural icon at yeah. that time. So very yeah. grown
0: up the way I mean She was, yeah. yeah.
1: I saw her at Oxygen when I was like mm-hmm. Oxygen God. And like when I was like eighteen. And it's imprinted on my on my memory. But uh yeah.
0: And so. you know, when you're when you're that I mean, I know kids are much more advanced mm. and, and and intelligent than we would have been at that mm. age, but the content of that Amy Winehouse mm. album is very adult.
1: Yeah, I'm very dark. And I don't think I properly understood it at like 17, 18 or like mm. what she kind of like symbolized or anything about her really until, you know, a couple of years later and I would have rea- been reading about her and watched the documentary and kind of, you know, witnessing firsthand like the destruction of a, a woman in that mm. kind of respect. Was, you know, but not like processing it and then reading it all later and just realizing kind of how horrible it was and how badly she was treated, you know.
0: Um, huge, yeah. huge talent. Yeah, incredible. Black to black. Jamie Winehouse, bless her. Back to Black, the choice of Nicole Flattery, who's uh, is with me in the studio. So, when did you start writing mm. your own stuff?
1: Um, I always wrote, um, kind of on and off in school, and I, I was very into like the creative side of things even then.
0: Apart from what you were being told to write, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. Apart,
1: yeah, like like I would have written stories and things like that of your own. And then I kind of stopped in college. Um, I guess because I was studying, I studied um, theater and film, mm. and I was reading a lot of theory and things. And, and you know, you're in college, and you're just distracted by like a hundred other. But
0: stories. when you were still at school, uh, what do you th- what do you think, looking back, your motivation was in, in writing stories? That you didn't like you didn't have to write. You know, you could have been doing a million other things.
1: I know, and it's funny, kind of, because I, I'm going to give an answer that doesn't like necessarily. I've been thinking about this. Like you know, you kind of think about this. Like in your darker times when Mm. you're writing a book and like everything's like, why am I doing this? Like what encouraged me to do this in the first place? But I was always really good at it. Like Mm. that was the one thing that like when I wasn't like good at sports or anything. I was really good at English all through like primary school and like secondary school. And I liked being good at something. (laughs) So that was the
0: thing. And I'm not, not, it's not that I want to leave your mother out of the conversation, but your dad being the English Mm. teacher, were you showing them to him?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he read all those like all of them. And he would also when he was teaching and bring home like any good short stories he got in his class and be like, you should read this. And this boy wrote this. And that was interesting. I always felt. But yeah, so then I I kind of stopped when I was in, in college. I didn't really I didn't really think about writing. And to my fault, I don't think I was reading very much. Mm-hmm. And I felt sort of like dissatisfied but I didn't really know why. I wasn't studying English, so I never like. I didn't. I just kind of forgot about it. And then in third year of college, um, I did a playwriting module, and it was very encouraging and good. And I remember I enjoyed it. And then I did an advance. Well,
0: here let, I, I yeah. want to get. want to take come to the college, but but just on that of of showing these stories, uh, um, to your dad and him showing you stories by boys you would have known or maybe not mm. known, oh, in, in, known the, in, in the boys school <laughs> um that would to some extent have removed what would normally be there for any person writing stories mm. you know it would remove some of the isolation mm. i guess you know mm-hmm. you're not entirely doing mm. it on your own yeah that might have made a difference
1: but even seeing these things when like, you know a short story written by the 17 year old when I was like 13 mm. you know it was encouraging and it's something you can do and for that reason I think I never thought of English as like a academic sort of subject it was the only subject that i really enjoyed and i saw there was always a creative element to it you know
0: and were you conscious of what the short story was as a a form or anything or were you just writing literally short stories if you Mm. know what i mean
1: no i never i didn't know anything although i didn't i had read um frank o'connor um but i didn't know anything about the short story um I had read a couple, but I had no idea about, like, the ideas around mm. it or anything.
0: Mind you, if you've read Frank O'Connor, you've, you, you know... Yeah, i was still... Okay. I'd read some you, Frank O'Connor, yes. If you've absorbed that, you're, <laughs> you're well on the road, yeah. I'd say. So, um, you were good at English, but were mm. you good at anything else? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, that sounded like a very rude, <laughs> rude question. I didn't mean it that way. I wasn't. Um, I was good at history,
1: which was just an extension of English. It was good at any kind of, like... Academic type, like Englishy type thing, and I was terrible at like maths. Right. So anything with numbers, um, I'm I'm not good at.
0: Central casting here. Yeah. Sport.
1: Oh God, no! Dreadful. I played basketball, but like only because I was tall-ish for my age.
0: Again, <laughs> central casting. Very unhappy. Yeah. Oh, miserable. <laughs> <laughs> But you, well you 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 don't give me. I mean, I didn't know you then, but you, you don't give the impression that you were that, that kind of goth teenager. Oh no, I wasn't to, a goth. Definitely yeah. not. Want to clear that up on the radio. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but I was uh, I was um, a little awkward and unsure of myself as any any teenage girl yeah. kind of is, you
0: know. And teenager in kindergarten, what's that like?
1: It was just one street, so just kind of you know we go for a lot of walks and sit in a lot of walls and. Yeah, that was like the extent of it. Go There's to a, great,
0: a great account in your book there of, you know, new new families and therefore new boys moving mm. into houses <laughs> houses nearby.
1: Yeah, you were always very aware of when the new boys moved in. Yeah. You know,
0: and and the the preparation that went into literally just walking around, <laughs> I, like hoping my, to be seen.
1: My Hop- two, two my two closest friends lived in Kinnegat, so I have such kind of um, nostalgia. For that time, like uh, I think back then, it's quite like sweet. Just like yeah. it seemed really, like, just like it's so, it seems so innocent now. In some kind of respects, like yeah. we just hung around this, like, the street or the chippers or whatever. And, you know, you did nothing, but you were never bored with this kind of like doing nothing. Like, yeah. you know, no, oh, it was
0: it was back at level where I lived. <laughs> and and did you? I mean, would you would you would you sit at the end of the on the outskirts of town? And look at the lights of Dublin in the far distance and think, you know, I want to be there. Or... No,
1: but my mother worked in Dublin. Um, She worked there three days a week. So I kind of knew of Dublin um, because just because of her commute. And then we would have gone up like, you know, every once in a while. I was aware that I was always going to go to college in Dublin, probably. And yeah. that was where anytime you went to Dublin, you know, it felt kind of exotic and stuff. Yeah. Well, but. Yeah. The cinema was better. <laughs> yeah.
0: Was there a cinema in Kenegat? The
1: cinema in Mullingar. All right, okay. <laughs> How would you find if
0: you Well, you know this this next track that's on your list I see here um, it I mean my teenage years were several decades mm. before years. Yeah. But um, this is this is my teenage world. Where did you come across, where did you because I came across this on Top of the Pops the first time. Where did you come across Thin Lizzy Dancing in the Moonlight?
1: I feel like this is a song that my friend's dad used to play. Oh
0: god. Wrong answer.
1: But it was my friend's dad used to play a lot of music in their house and I feel like this was one of the songs I just love this song because like I don't know, like you're kind of, I'm so used to like songs with lyrics about like you know, like how much money the rapper is making and yeah. like what like what party and stuff they're going to. The lyrics to this song are like almost like profoundly uncool, like he's yeah. getting the bus oh, and yeah. like he's going to the cinema and like getting chocolate stains yeah. on him. It's very sweet and no, I don't know.
0: This this, this, this song, if I, you know, this song brings me back to those days of coming home from the cinema. Not mm. in Kinnegad, but in, in, <laughs> in similar circumstances, you know. Um, coming home, uh, dare I say it, on my own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have took that last home, But I asked you for a dance Now we go... Dancing in the Moonlight from uh, Thin Lizzy The Choice of uh, Nicole Flattery who's with me in studio picking all the tracks mm-hmm. It's a great song isn't it yeah, it's a- it's, and, you know, I know it's, a, it's, a, it's not a corny thing to say mm-hmm. it's, it's said, said a lot doesn't mean it's untrue but songs do transport you back to a mm-hmm. particular place that, yeah. does, that does for me and it's interesting that, you know, many generations later, it does the same for you, it does the same for you as well. Um, we were just in the course of that uh, talking about other writers. And mm. at what point did you, as someone who was writing a, writing a mm. bit yourself and getting, getting into the swing of it and had a facility for it, start to read any other Irish writers? You had read Frank O'Connor, you yeah. said, yeah. Anybody else?
1: Um, actually when I was uh, doing playwriting in college, I remember there was, um, one day big excitement because Marina Carr came in and, you know, she's just, when she came in the whole room was completely silent, like, and I, we had to read out some of our work and I think she said something to me like good or like just some like comments and I was like, even that like little comment, you know, from, from Marina, you know, she's
0: been in here doing this show. Oh, she's fantastic. Um, She's, she's wonderful, yeah. you know. And, and then, of course, similar part of the world, maybe. In yeah, terms yeah, of, she's from Offaly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And I remember see, I saw seeing reading her plays. I've read all of her plays. I remember in like a two week period in, in college and just being amazed like this whole other kind of like world opened up for me. Um, Just the way she thought about things and like also like use that kind of landscape mm. in a way that I had never seen before. You know, you, you sort of, um, you don't think, the place you grew up is acceptable or interesting enough mm. to write about unless someone does it before you and yeah. she was definitely that. My dad was a big uh, Pat McCabe fan yeah. so
0: I, I read him quite early. And Did you read them all because some people read The Butcher Boy and I say no read The Dead School as I've well. read yeah.
1: I've read The Dead School and I've read The Butcher Boy yeah. Um I haven't read some of the yeah. others
0: but, th- but I mean The Dead School that's the one. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's his best book. Yeah it's a brilliant uh, brilliant
1: book. It's so funny so so funny like this I reread it recently and I just was underlining Massive sections of it, you know?
0: It's great. It's important, isn't it, what you say about, you know, Marina Carr. Mm. It, cause sometimes it takes writers like that to kind of show you what's under your nose and yeah. show you your own place. Mm-hmm. And, and now there's... I mean, how many writers are there from the Midlands of Ireland <laughs> at this point? <laughs> I feel like
1: there's less from the Midlands and more from, like, Mayo. I feel like Mayo has a, a large chunk of them. Um, but, yeah, I couldn't tell you... There's a good few from the
0: Midlands. We're just
1: saying you, Mulaney, he's, he's very good.
0: And is it—is it... Is it uh, is it inexhaustible, the uh, material? From
1: <laughs> I think. I think. Yeah, it is inexhaustible because I think one of the most important things for being a writer, in some sense, is being a little bit bored and like letting your kind of imagination yeah. like reach in that way. So like, if you don't have a whole lot to do, not saying there's a whole lot to do, not a whole lot to do in the Midlands, um, but it helps. I bit, think I it's think. our
0: it's our version of Texas, you know, yeah. It produces all these great songwriters. Yeah. And anytime I've ever interviewed any of them, I always say, you know, what is it about Texas produces so many great yeah. songwriters? And I remember one of them, Rodney Crowell, said, mm. it's just that big old sky. Mm. So there's a touch of that in the too. Yeah. This, you know. Yeah. And also
1: there's this idea that like, and it's the same for anyone that like lives outside a city. It's like life is happening elsewhere. elsewhere yeah. Yeah, and you're just sitting there waiting for all of it to happen to you you know where
0: did you think life
1: was happening I thought it was happening in Dublin yeah. but then I got there and I was like mm. <laughs>
0: naturally sure yeah. <laughs> right, let's have your next uh, your next choice yeah. now Roy Roy Orbison again mm-hmm. while absolutely one of the greats is not of your vintage at all no so where did you find Roy uh, Orbison
1: he's a um, I used to my dad used to play him a lot and actually, my dad rang me before this and he was like, which Roy Orbison are you doing? <laughs> and we had a bit of a debate about it. And I said I wanted to do Crying um, because I could mention uh, David Lynch as uh-huh, well. Yeah. So there's some I I would be I'm a massive fan of David Lynch and someone else I'd be influenced by. But yeah, so you I settled on Crying. <laughs> also, you, cause I,
0: it's such a sad song. I know. But I, do, you, I, do you know this when well, you do the Spanish yeah. version of Crying? That, yeah, that's, from the. That's the, the, no, the Drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Maybe play this afterwards. I'll play it on my own show. I don't yeah. play, play it on yours. But this is Roy Orbison's version of, uh, of, of crying. I was all right for a while. I could smile for a while. But I saw you last night. You held my hands so tight as you st- Say hello Crying from uh, Roy Orbison Great song. Uh, the choice of Nicole Flattery is with me in the studio tonight. Do you know what's just occurred to me? We're nearly an hour into this and I haven't asked you about the music you were listening to. Isn't that strange? What music was there in the house? when we were when, you were, up, when you were tiny, yeah when you, when I was record player?
1: Um, my my memory of listening to music with my parents would be like long car drives. Yeah, and my dad would play like Roy Orbison and those mm-hmm. kind of songs, yeah. and then my sister, depending on the age she was, would like argue with him, and then like she gets to put her CD on for X amount of time. Which was what? Like I don't know, like really embarrass her now, uh, the Dawson's Creek soundtrack. Wow. <laughs>
0: I thought you were going to say Duran Duran, but it's, no. wor- it's worse than that. Oh, no, much worse.
1: <laughs> she was a very moody girl.
0: <laughs> wow. So so did, did she become your spirit guide in terms of what to listen to?
1: Yes, um, she did. But then like I feel that like a lot of my dad's music and also like friends, f- like families and things kind of crept in there too. And yeah, mm. so I feel.
0: So as a teenager... And not a goth, as you stressed (laughs) earlier on. When you you and your teenage pals were hanging around Kinnegad of an evening, what were you listening to?
1: You're glad I didn't bring any of those, like choose any of those. No, come on, just, it's okay. Awful, awful pop music. We're all
0: friends here, come on. What was it?
1: Like Britney. Okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) I've now now placed exactly where you're at age wise. Yeah, yeah. So Britney was was the thing.
1: Yeah, oh, Britney was, yeah.
0: And what happened when you went into the local establishments for, for a boogie?
1: Well, then it will just also be pop music, you know, mm. like and like really bad rap, um, quite like terrible stuff, you know.
0: Um, and what about.
1: Well, um, you thought it was really good. Like, you know, there's a kind of a period when you're like, like 16 and you're going to like places you probably shouldn't be. And you're like listening to mm. that kind of music and like that kind of music like lodges in your brain, too, because yeah. it's like you're not allowed. <laughs> you shouldn't be there. But your
0: next your next choice is Robin. Yes. R.O.B.Y.N. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember when this came out
1: this is her most recent album yeah Yeah. So last year this year this year possibly
0: might have been the start of the year was it and uh, Missing You tell me about Robin
1: yeah I'm just I just um, I love her and her music is like kind of like joyful but also like quite sad and I don't know it just reminds me of like dancing with friends in a like a nightclub or something so yeah
0: she's great (laughs) That's Robin and Missing You. The choice of Nicole Flattery is with me in studio. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more of Nicole's choices. Uh, Stay tuned. This is Mystery Train on RTE Lyric FM. I'm here tonight with Nicole Flattery, who's the author of Show Them a Good Time, a book published by Stinging Fly in Bloomsbury. And another book coming out on Bloomsbury is called Nothing Special, which will be out, should she ever finish it, in (laughs) in 2021. Nicole is with me in studio, picking all the music tonight's been good. So far, we've had Sharon Van Etten, Saint Sister, Amy Winehouse, then Lizzie, Roy Orbison and Robin, and there's some crackers to come. In the next uh, next hour. So look, we get you out of kindergarten now. Yeah. Uh, out of school. Mm-hmm. And where did you go then?
1: Um, I went to Trinity and I studied there for four years.
0: Uh, fil- theatre and film. Theatre and film, yeah, yeah. Now, the theatre bit, I have some notion about mm-hmm. what you might be doing there. Mm-hmm. What about film? What film studies, I mean, how, yeah. how does that work?
1: I felt like it was... A kind of odd choice Even when I made it Like I was always really Into film And I watched a lot of films Growing up But like I feel... Like as a teenager, everyone watches a lot of films. Well, you see, I thought I had good taste in film, though. Yeah, yeah.
0: You you reckoned you knew something.
1: I think I did. Yeah. Like I felt more confident about my taste in that than I did in, in like anything else.
0: But um. But you know, people who do who are into film. Yeah. I mean, they're really they've seen everything, and they watch you know indie films from yeah. from Bosnia, and yeah. they watch you know all the Japanese mm. films and all that stuff. I don't know, maybe you had, but when mm. you left Kinnegad had you really seen many more movies than just had been on in the local cinema in Mullingar?
1: No, I hadn't seen a whole lot, but I thought I had. And that was the problem when Mm. I got there and I met people that actually had seen a lot of films.
0: Mm.
1: Um, But yeah, it was a great, like it was very, I'm really glad I did it. It was very interesting. Um, A lot of the theory around it was kind of, Tough and things, but when like, you
0: when you arrive at the course, is there an assumption that you have actually seen the Seven Samurai no, and all the no, rest no, of it? No, 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 no. They're, okay. they're
1: pretty forgiving.
0: And do they show them to you there?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So what, what's what's the sort of typical day of a film study student?
1: <laughs> God, s- I feel like I'm going to be doing them a real injustice if I do my own typical day. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I remember I had friends like studying like architecture and like medicine and things, and you'd feel like I'd be like, oh. I have to watch three films this week <laughs> made up these huge course load, But uh, yeah, you watch films in the evening and you read uh, like quite a bit about them and, you know, write essays, which I, always, I found really interesting. Um, yeah.
0: Now, I what did it's... you make of, say, for instance, you know, you'd grown up watching mm. the big blockbusters coming to the Mollingar yeah. cinema and all the rest of it. And then, you know, you're presumably watching films by Jean Cocteau and all that kind of yeah. stuff, you know. No, that was never screened in the cinema in the hangar.
1: And it's like a completely new language. Like yeah. If you watch a film like that, it's like, if, I remember the first time I watched a Goddard film, that yeah. like I could not understand it at all because like you're not, you're not taught that way by watching yeah. blockbusters. You, you almost have to train your mind by like watching several films like that in order to to get and enjoy it and appreciate it. Because and how like, did
0: you react, though? Did you think, oh, hang on, i made the wrong choice here? Yeah,
1: actually, or? there was one, we, we just screened something one week and I was like, I have made the wrong decision here. <laughs> like, yeah. I should leave. Um, but then after a while, you kind of get more into it. It's just, I guess, the way, you know, our minds are trained with like sort of mass entertainment. Everything moves so quickly, you know, like in a blockbuster where you have kind of have to like slow down to watch something else. Yeah. You know?
0: And do you think, this exposure to so many movies and mm-hmm. many styles of movie mm-hmm. has, has affected the writing because very often, you know, you'll hear you know, for instance, even a band you too mm-hmm. their music is always described as cinematic mm-hmm. and you read lots of uh, novels and mm-hmm. you go, well, this, this reads like a film mm-hmm. probably because they want it to be turned into one <laughs> in, some, in some cases, <laughs> yeah. very obviously you can, so yeah. <laughs> you, you, can, you, you can tell but in terms of you writing a short story mm-hmm. do you think any of that has fed into the way you work?
1: Yeah, I would think of certain films um, if I wanted to evoke a like a time period or you know a certain idea. I would watch like a film. I certainly would watch one if I felt I was I was getting stuck in something more than like read a read a novel rather than getting that kind of voice in my head. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do find I find it useful. Um, I don't write a huge amount of dialogue, which for someone who, although I'm trying to write a bit more now. But I for someone that thinks a lot about cinema. The films
0: films that I love most, and I wonder, are they part of your course? Um, Were all those, you know, those noirs, film noir, and they are all dialogue. I mean, cracking dialogue the whole way through, you know? Did that appeal to you?
1: Yes. And I remember I was thinking about um, a noir kind of setting uh, for one of the stories in the book, actually the last story in the book, um, which has the most dialogue. And yeah, I, lo- I loved all of those. And also, they were sort of like, you know, when you go to college and you're like introduced to these sort of ideas, which I think feminism was like not something that I knew anything about in, in mm-hmm. school. Um, and these were sort of feminists in their own kind of like like skewed way. You know, the woman would like come out on top and all of like dark ideas, like incredibly dark ideas. Like, I remember the first time I watched um, Sunset Boulevard and you were like, yeah, this is very dark, very dark and like very strange and, you know, Weird and yeah, like
0: I'm kind of turning into her now. <laughs> These days, I, I can't wait to turn into her. <laughs> <it. laughs> but it it, it they it really is worth watching those mm. films again, you mm-hmm. know. And and the idea of film studies might sound stupid to somebody, yeah. but you could you could write a book
1: yeah. on
0: any one of those movies. Yeah. Your next choice, you probably you may well have come across her first in a movie, Liza Minnelli. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about this, maybe this time.
1: Um, I just. Love Well, I love certain musicals and I love Cabaret and this is my favourite song from Cabaret. And I think it's, I, I love it because I think it contains, I like any kind of writing or anything that does this, but it has like two emotions. Like it's so, it's so sad and then mm. it, like, but it's kind of so joyful as well. You is know? that
0: extremely as a writer, is that extremely difficult to do, is it? I think so, Happy but it's sad.
1: I think so. But I think the best kind of writers can do it, you know? Like, there's the song is, like, extremely melancholic and, you know, there's such a note of hopelessness, but then there's just that, like, glimmer of, like, possible hope. And, yeah, I just think she sings it beautifully. And were you
0: attracted by that world when you saw um, Cabaret? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's, it's such Republic a... It's also Republic. kind of new. Like, the film is so modern, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great movie.
0: Okay, maybe this time Liza Minnelli. Maybe this time I'll be lucky, maybe this time he'll stay. Liza Minnelli there and uh, a song called Maybe This Time, the choice of Nicole Flattery, who's uh, with me in studio. When you were doing the film studies, Nicole, mm. is it, was it through that or around that time you started to return to the writing?
1: Yeah, um, I was mainly through playwriting. I think I wrote a screenplay. I did. It was part of our course. I was very, I left it very last minute as it was college. And I wrote it in like one night. It was very bad, but it was fine, actually. I was like, did okay. I was like, oh, maybe I'm better than this
0: than I thought. But it never got made. Oh, God, no. No, (laughs) no, no. no. And you'd written a play as well, is that right?
1: Yes, I did write a play and that was staged. Um, A friend of mine directed it. And we put it on in, like, the new theatre. And that was a good experience, actually. Um, but I, I didn't feel that I, I, I'm not a playwright. Like, I feel, you know, playwrights are incredibly skilled. And, like, to make something happen
0: yeah.
1: is hard to do. And I just don't feel like I have that particular gift. And you don't need to make anything happen in a short story. You can just have a lot of atmosphere, you know.
0: Oh, something has to happen. Yeah, that's once. true.
1: I feel like something has to happen in a novel, which is going to be a real issue for me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We'll talk about that. And I want to leave that to the end. <laughs> um, so is that when you wrote what might have been your first serious short story, if you know what I mean? I don't mean serious as in you yeah. had not been writing before, but you kind of decided to kind of, well, give this a real lash.
1: Mm. I, I did. I wrote kind of um, I did a master's in creative writing then in, in Trinity. And I, wrote, I started writing short stories then seriously. Um, I wrote like four or five. And yeah, they were fine. Like you know, I wasn't particularly skilled, or and I didn't feel that I was knew what I wanted to write about. Like I was like twenty two or something, mm. you know. Like, but I, I, I kind of learned a lot about the form and things like that.
0: Well, there's t- there's two aspects to that, and I want to want to mm. look at. Um, you say you weren't that skilled mm. at it. Did you become more and more skilled with the criticism yeah. and and just by doing that course? Mm.
1: yeah, I felt I felt like I did actually. I know there's a kind of like debate about that, like, you know, whether can you, you should teach do, yeah. you can't teach writing. And I don't yeah. think you, you probably can, but I do think you can help someone get better and like oh, yeah. sort out the, the model that like is in their mind, you know.
0: To get around, to be around some sort of rigor is, yeah. no, is no harm. Yeah, you know? and
1: to be around people that like, you know, talk about books and are passionate yeah. about books, like that, that's useful. Yeah. Like you find good readers. Um, so I do think I became a bit better there. And I, yeah, I, I found it,
0: I found it helpful. But the other part of it, then, the second thing you said was, you're only 22 and you didn't have anything to write write no, about. No, that's I yeah. think that's that's the more interesting side yeah. for most writers. I yeah. mean, there's lots of people out there who can write, but they don't really have anything they want no. to write about or anything I mean, much to say.
1: I was just like grasping at like straws. Like I worked in a card shop at the time, I was just like in town, and I was like I write about the card shop. <laughs> and I was like, who wants to read a novel about a card shop? You know, I just didn't have anything, and I was mm. also like like. Kind of, kind of aware that like in the way that like lots of young women do like young women do like just dismissing my own experiences yeah. as in like that won't be interesting like you know you, you don't feel like you have anything worthwhile to give but then again i, I will read it almost anything regardless of the content if, it, if it's written well or if it's mm. funny or
0: you know i mean there are there are now, and it's a great thing there are yeah. more books by women who, yeah. who write about not necessarily novelists or short yeah. story writers, but write yeah. about just the experience of mm-hmm. being a, being a woman. Yeah, and I think that's
1: yeah. Fantastic.
0: There was nothing like that around when I was younger. You know, I could have done with reading it, <laughs> but,
1: but you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. use, it's
0: useful yeah. to read.
1: I even feel uh, there was like not a huge amount of them even eight or nine years ago. I don't you think know? so. I yeah. don't think
0: so. But they, you're. But you're. It's interesting what you say. You would have felt that your experience was of no value or no consequence, no, yeah. not worth writing about.
1: No, absolutely not. And I was doing that terrible thing that I feel like every, like Irish writer will admit to doing. You know, like I was reading like John McGahern,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: like I was being like had to be like rural. It had to be miserable, and it had to, it couldn't be like in order for it to be serious literature, it sure couldn't be funny, and it mm. couldn't be this, that, or the other. And like it took me a long time to kind of shake all of that, as, as much as I admire, like McGarren Of course, yeah. But you, you're just so in, because Irish writing has this huge history, you feel so indebted to all these people, and it's hard to escape, escape that, you know. Mm.
0: But that different kind of writing is now available mm, definitely. to people, you know. Yeah,
1: I feel like it's opened up so much even in the last, like, five years.
0: It's that expression. It still sounds odd to me, though. She writes uh, on the body.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you know, that's, that's <laughs> the expression that's, that's used, you know. Yeah, why, yeah. why is it not about? But it's, it's also, it also writes on the body. <laughs> and that's, that's phrase is now so, mm. so familiar now. Yeah, like yeah, you don't, so it's you on your mind. You don't question yeah. it, yeah. Um, so you say you didn't have anything to write about. Yeah. When you, when you wrote a story for the White Review and won, mm. won a prize and so on, mm. uh, what did you land upon where you thought, I could write something about this?
1: Mm. Yeah, but that story was interesting because I wanted to write about a comedian for ages because I like comedians and um, I like going to see comedy and stuff, but I find them like interesting figures, essentially. Yeah. And then Did I, you know any comedians? I know a couple of aspiring comedians, but I don't know any serious comedians. Yeah. I wish I did and then I bet if I did I'd be like oh I wish I didn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, but what about writing what? Writing about what you know? Mm. You're writing a short story about a, about a comedian.
1: Mm. I didn't about. really know that but I did. I had I lived in New York for a while and I did know that kind of um environment almost, you know, like the yeah. environment I'm writing about. Yeah. In the story and I wanted to, I wanted to to write about that almost as a way of like you know, working through something like that.
0: And when you fired that into a uh a competition, mm-hmm. White Review competition. Did you forget about it? Did you any hopes whatsoever? No,
1: I actually didn't. And I am And I remember I emailed, and then I like, I, I actually have a bad memory, and I forget that I do things a lot. And I went then for like a cup of coffee, and I think I'd already forgotten about it by the
0: afternoon.
1: <laughs> so like when it happened, I was like, oh god, that's great.
0: <laughs> and that would have that would have garnered quite a bit of attention, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. I remember being like, it was it was exciting. Although like I had stories and things published, I felt. Not that I, th- I feel like certainly don't think people need to win prizes to feel like you know mm. worthwhile. I don't agree with prize culture at all, you know. Yeah, but, but it, it seems me, to uh, yeah yeah it seems
0: to work as far as the the people with the money are concerned.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean
0: they'll they'll take a look at you yeah. if you've won a prize.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there was that. There was a lot more kind of more attention and kind of stuff like that. And I haven't I have read that story in public and stuff, and I haven't but I haven't reread it in a while, and I feel like I was in quite like a different place when I wrote it now so I don't know how I would I would feel about it now but yeah I'm, I'm glad it won me some money <laughs>
0: you, me- you mentioned New York, let's yeah. talk about New York after your next choice yes. which is uh, talk about New York This yeah. is from uh, Songs for Drella which is an album that Lou Reed and John Cale made for their old manager and mentor and pal Andy Warhol We'll talk about this uh, after we play the track
1: Oh, I look like I do not Since I was shot
0: And that's Lou Reed and John Cale together, Nobody But You from the album Songs for Drella which is the choice of Nicole Flattery with me tonight. Nicole, um, you mentioned just in passing there that you spent some time in New York. Mm. Um, how? In what circumstances and for how long?
1: Um, I just went uh, for a year and uh, on a graduate visa and just kind of lived there, worked there, did, like, several different jobs, as everyone in New York does. Um, Yeah, it was really enjoyable. It was kind of defining, I feel like, in some way. Like, I could definitely, like, split my life into, like, before and after in some respect. But... um,
0: Well, it has that effect.
1: Yeah. I lived in Brooklyn, and, like, just, like, nine months in, I was kind of like, I haven't seen a baby or, like, a person older than... Maybe forty five yeah. in like six months. Seven yeah. months. Like you're just living yeah. in this like total bubble. Which I just don't think like I don't think is an incredible healthy way to, to live your life. Well, you know? I was
0: in the last time I was there, which is exact, exactly three years ago. Um in the on the east side Alpha, Alphabet mm. City, not in Alphabet City, which mm. was the, when I went there first, you just you just didn't go there. Yeah, I yeah, mean yeah. if you did you dipped mm. your toe in and yeah. then you turned and left quickly. Mm. Um people like walking poodles. Yeah you know yeah, really yeah. bizarre yeah no I'm not advocating you know mm. that, I'm not suggesting things were great when it was dangerous yeah. and extremely dangerous mm. in places but but it's it is commercialised and every mm. block's the same now. yeah it everything used to does be look a, very the same it used to be every block was different yeah. every block was an adventure of, yeah. uh, of its own but anyway when you were there um, did you spend much time in Manhattan
1: I did I worked in Manhattan for a while what did you do I worked as an assistant to a literary agent
0: oh <laughs> oh well here, discuss
1: <laughs> I wrote an essay about it With the Stingy Fly actually Do right. you ever feel like reading that? Um, I got quite brutally fired <laughs> Why? Uh, it was a combination of being um, Incompetent and uh, Insubordinate <laughs> I hope and, Yeah, insubordinate And um, she was quite a scary woman She was... Um, it was it was a defining experience I've loved, for me. So you've
0: got you've got a, you've got uh, you've got sight of the other side of the publishing business then. Which, yeah. yeah, yeah, and
1: I I think that kind of not not cynical. I didn't go in with a, a certain amount of cynicism, but I did go in with a little bit of guardedness, you mm. know, because I was I was I was aware of that. You know, it operates like any other. Industry, you know. I think it's
0: worse than the music business. Yeah, actually, it's yeah. such a thing's imaginable. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, you already said earlier on, you know, you don't like prize culture. Yeah, and uh, you know, at a certain level, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a ruthless business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. so far removed from your sitting and sitting in your room writing your short story, isn't yeah.
1: it? Yeah, I think like it's good to see. You know, well, definitely, always good to see the assistant side of it. You know, like that. There's. In my in my experience, I felt that there was just women like me, like who I never met, like operating in like yeah. all these publishing houses and literary agents all over the country. And like, you know, just trying so hard to, to please their bosses and like taking like 20 minutes lunch to like eat their salads at their desk or whatever. And like once you see that, it, it strips away a certain amount of mm. glamour, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's good to have that. And in you feel
0: mind. that you have to do that in order to. Oh, in New York,
1: there's no no choice, you know. And that kind of work culture I found quite repellent.
0: And there's nothing worse being in a a really exciting city and you can't get to enjoy it.
1: No, no.
0: And what what other jobs did you have when you were there?
1: Um, I worked in a bar for a while.
0: How was that? I suppose it depends on the bar, really, doesn't it?
1: That was fine. I worked in bars before, so I didn't really feel... Well, indifferent to that, it's the same as anywhere, okay. and I worked in a publishing house as well.
0: And what did you do in the publishing house?
1: That was good, actually, that was interesting. It was an independent publishing house, so I read a lot of manuscripts oh. and um, reviewed them and things like that. And
0: so you're starting to think to yourself, I can do this,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And actually, that's the best thing. Um, I, I do you know Tom Morris, he used to work with Flight. That's I think that's the best thing. Um, <laughs> it sounds kind of not. I don't mean to sound dismissive of other people's work, but you suddenly become aware of, like, the standard and, like, the actual standard. And, like, it's not lofty of, like, looking at people's, you know, best-selling book, like Margaret Atwood or whoever yeah. in the bookshops. You're, like, suddenly aware that, like, this is something I could actually try, you know, and, like, not embarrass myself. And even if I do embarrass myself, lots of other people are embarrassing themselves. Yeah. So it's, like, not too too hard.
0: Your next choice, uh, Frank Ocean. Mm. Um what have you got to tell me about Frank? It's the second time Frank Ocean has been picked in three weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. I
1: just love Frank Ocean. And I, yeah, I'm obsessed with him in like a small kind of way because I think, you know, like everything is like Instagram and like Twitter and like in this kind of day and age, you ha- you're expected to give so much of yourself away. And I think he's one of the rare, incredibly like successful artists who's given very little of him, mm. himself away. And even when you see photos of him, it's like, he just seems private. And then like And he
0: also, a bit like Lou Reed, sings in characters, characters yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. So even though, you know, what he's singing is not necessarily him.
1: Yeah. I just also think he's like genuine. I saw pictures of him at like a Met Gala um, a few years ago and he just looked so uncomfortable and that
0: endeared me to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would, it would make him laugh. Pussack combo About your summer Last night oh, yeah. About your summer last night. I give you no play. Mm. Could I make it shy last night? Could I make it shot on the last night? Could we make it in? Do we have time? I'll be the boyfriend in your wet dreams tonight. And that's Frank Ocean there on Self Control. Nicole Flattery with me in the studio picking all the music tonight. So, Nicole, you know, even though you'd seen. A certain side of the publishing business mm-hmm. in New York, you were happy enough to offer yourself up to it on the other side.
1: I never yeah, when I was writing I never considered it as being I guess, you know, like I was I was lucky because the Stinging Flyer independent publisher in Ireland and that's who I would have been being yeah. supported by. They're, they're decent people. Yeah. Oh god. Civilized right. folk. Very civilized. And I yeah, so it just felt like writing to me. I never felt um, except towards the end of the book when I was trying to gather the stories then that felt like it was part of part of something bigger than myself. You know, yeah. actually like publishing a book rather than publishing in magazines and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I never really thought about the industry a huge amount.
0: You're part of it now though.
1: I am, yeah, yeah. The
0: reality yeah. for writers, full-time writers, mm-hmm. is like there's, there's no money in this lark no. at all. I mean, yeah. okay, you know, the, the headline for you for a mm. while is going to yeah. be hefty advance, blah, blah, blah.
1: Makes it sound, they also put it in a kind of dangerous way. It makes you sound like you've robbed someone. Yeah, yeah.
0: But I mean, this, you know, that's going to be over a number of of years.
1: Yeah.
0: And at the end of it, I mean, every good wish in the world, but there's no guarantee of anything afterwards.
1: No. And it's kind of, it's a dangerous sort of leap. And I feel like because the money is so, you know, like unfairly, Distributed in writing and things like it becomes like something that's reported on, whereas like yeah. actors get a huge amount of money for being in like films and TV shows, and it's not the headline f- for them, you yeah,
0: know. Yeah, yeah, but but most actors get nothing at all. Yeah, a lot like, of barely barely, barely yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. but it, and it also, I guess, you know, and I want people to be thinking, well, it's all right for it's all right for you. You've mm. got your big advance, but the reality is, it puts you under certain pressure too, because if your book's not a hit, yeah, big hit.
1: I'll be hearing about it like, Well yeah, yeah
0: They're going to think Well we're not giving her Any money again yeah. you know And by that stage Some other writer From Kinnegad Will have emerged They better not <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll what be watching big, big, big league supplier Of talent To the worlds Of arts and literature
1: I'd be so West annoyed Maeve.
0: West Meath They're queuing up At West Meath
1: I think it's It's a scary thing though To like know That people You know Like it's a, If you're if you're neurotic, which I, I tend to be, you know, that you would could overthink that if they wanted to be a hit. Yeah. Like, you could, like, you know, like, go back through the last 10 years of publishing and be like, what are the biggest hits? Like, you know, know. like, you see they do that in film. One film comes out and it's successful and then there's 20 copycats and, like, you just, it's impossible to know what's going to...
0: Well, have you been under any pressure in terms of, you know, we like your idea, Nicole, but that'll never be a hit. Write this one instead. Do yeah. you get a bit of that? Bit of, you know, no,
1: I've never heard that. But yeah. I'd say if I went in there with like a totally like David Lynch like abstract idea, like you know Andy Warhol should be like a talking tree or something, mm. they would be get me like out of there, you know, and try and change my uh, mind.
0: Can you say is Andy Warhol part of the, the book you're writing? He,
1: he's on the fringes, but okay. not in the the actual book, I don't think. But uh yeah, you know, you could go in there with all these kind of, and I love I love reading books that do something different, you know, like the. You can tell, have tried something different. Yeah,
0: but as you can expect, to sell six copies, yeah. <laughs> and, and the, bu- the business does not want those ones. No, no,
1: no, definitely not.
0: Next choice, let's get a few more tracks. Oh. in. there's, we've got oh, Julian Baker. Mm. Um, this is good news. Mm. We were talking about this earlier. I'm not sure which of her albums this is from. I think She's it's
1: from the Sprained Ankle or right. Sprained Ankle. Yeah, yeah okay. I think so. I actually, saw her in Paris. She was great. She's a tiny little woman, the massive guitar.
0: She's great. You have the times of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do. have a great time of it. You should. You know.
0: You should put on your. Uh, you know the author's bio yeah. in the book. You know she divides her time between. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I love
1: when they have she that. She divides
0: her time between Kennegad, Paris, and New York. <laughs> Baker there, and uh, good news—the choice of uh, Nicole Flattery. Nicole, so if anybody's listening now, um, who writes, it's always good to hear something about a writer's process. You yeah. know, have you a set time in the day? Do you? Does it? Do you wait? Do you wait for the muse? Do you believe in the muse?
1: I believe in the muse. Um, I guess.
0: <laughs> and what I- is what is the muse?
1: I guess a muse is like an idea I wish I had like a specific like muse (laughs) Like a person
0: Well Paula Meehan the poet believes the muse exists Uh, Her muse is a woman Really? And she can smell her when she's around the place
1: That's amazing Yeah
0: that's what she says Oh wow So there you go Uh But you don't have any actual presence floating around the room or anything
1: No I don't I I know though if I have like a good idea And Mm -hmm. like I feel that like And I'll think about it for a while and then I'll work on it Um, But I don't have like a set time and I certainly don't now because I feel like I've been traveling a lot, but I can be quite, I will be quite rigorous if I have deadlines and things like that. So mm. I'll like, ignore the muse and just be like, I have to well. work from this time to this time.
0: And if you, if you get up in the morning and yeah. sit down and forget about muses and mm. all the rest of it, I just think I've got to get this done by three o'clock. Will mm. you get it done or something done? <laughs>
1: Anyone who I've ever missed a deadline for is listening to this mm. now being like, no, she will not. Mm. Um, I don't, like, I, I'm a big rewriter. I, I edit myself a, a lot and I cross out passages and I rewrite mm. a lot. So I think um, I think I have a problem meeting deadlines in that respect. But if I will try, I will try and and get it all done.
0: Do you prefer the morning or the evening, late night?
1: Actually, I have a theory on this because I write quite a lot of... Uh, and certainly when I was writing this book, I was writing uh, quite a bit of book criticism. Um, so in the morning, I would work on fiction and uh, criticism in the evening. Right. Because I feel like it takes... And critics probably listening to it but be no, but I feel like it takes less. I think fiction is more difficult. It requires mm-hmm. more thought. But I think, yeah, morning morning is better if you can work in the morning without actually... Like looking at your phone or anything. Yeah. You just go straight straight Stra- Yeah, straight yeah. to it. No interruptions. No.
0: Yeah. yeah. And coffee, Mars bars, cigarettes?
1: Coffee. Occasional cigarette. Uh definitely coffee. Couldn't write without coffee. I drink a lot of tea. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of herbal tea. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that would be that would be it really. Do you ever
0: write with a glass of wine beside you?
1: Only if it's like really necessary.
0: Only
1: I <laughs> <can> I absolutely <laughs> need it, like
0: <laughs> Yeah. Those, Sometimes. Those, doesn't help though.
1: Doesn't help. And doesn't I'd say does. like one or two of those stories, I'd say you could almost pinpoint this the part where I had them. Yeah. <laughs> I got so in. Yeah. Um but not usually, you know. Yeah. clear mind is probably better.
0: And do you then you know, when you when you finish a short story or you think you finished it, do you mm-hmm. put it away for a long period of time before you had chance looking at it again and saying, Look, this this is finished.
1: Mm, Yeah, I would. I would put it away for a while unless I have a really uh, tight deadline. Mm. But that's um, the White Review story, I remember. I finished it almost to the day that I sent it off Mm. because I just had to. But I I do think there's a real benefit to... And even some of these stories which I would have written when I was, like, a couple of years ago and then I went back and revised them for the book that that was useful. You know, it's good to have time uh, away from it.
0: I like Kevin Barry's idea of putting them in a drawer and letting them talk to each other.
1: (laughs) you say that you wouldn't know <laughs> what happen. Um, I don't want those women talking to each other <laughs> your next choice
0: young fathers yeah so you're very hip and trendy
1: I am not hip and trendy at all actually I love
0: young fathers yeah actually, they're great I, um, they are great I saw
1: them in October or something last year
0: shame yeah It's uh, young fathers in shame. Nicole Flattery with me in studio tonight, picking all the tracks. We have still got time for a few more, Nicole, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep on pushing here. Okay, great. Um, the one question I didn't ask you about yeah. process was longhand or straight onto the longhand. Yeah, yeah, you write longhand I
1: write everything longhand. It takes me ages. Um, that's why I miss my deadlines yeah. um, because I can't. I can't think when I type straight onto a computer. So even like um, essays or criticisms or even things have to be quickly, I I would write longhand.
0: I wonder, um, do many people do that? Longhand
1: I don't know where it's come from Because like I grew up With a computer Yeah I don't I feel like I have like A distrust of the actual Like process of it Like the the keys I feel like Something in my mind Doesn't agree agree with it
0: You feel like you're making Something when you're writing With longhand I guess Yeah
1: yeah yeah And then you have like The actual like results I can't read my own handwriting But like When I sign books People tell me it's terrible All the time But I, at least I have it, like I have a physical And then when note, you type but then,
0: it up, you've got you're into a second draft yeah, already. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, you mentioned publicity and touring and travelling yeah. a lot there. Um, how, do you, how do you manage with all that? I mean, do, how, do, do you do you like it? Do you like being interviewed? Do you like... Mm. I mean, this is different, I know. There's people do this Sunday night programme who actually don't do interviews at all. Yeah. And they're happy to do this because it's, it's playing records. Mm. It's a different thing. Yeah. But when you're sitting down to your 20th interview about what's your book about? <laughs> yeah. It must get tiresome.
1: I think it's an interesting one because obviously, like, you know, part of you feels grateful for it, you know, that people are yeah. showing such interest in your book. But then, you know, the other part is... We live kind of now where you're expected to be open about everything and like talk about, particularly as a youngish, I'm aware that I turned 30, youngish woman, yeah. um, that you're supposed to give all kinds of personal details yeah. about yourself away and, you know, write about things that I have no interest in writing about yeah. or talking about, experiences I may have had. Or, um, so I find that sort of un- uncomfortable.
0: Do you think you ever would write about? It? I mean, I don't know anything, but do you mm-hmm. think you ever would? Because there is now market makes it sound yeah. uh, makes it sound sort of cynical, but yeah. there there is now a demand. Let's put it that way for women writing about their experiences,
1: their personal, Yeah, I think I, I I could if I found the right subject and I was ex- mm. extremely interested in it. I'm not hugely um, interested in myself. I find that I prefer writing about things that like books or films and I, yeah. I, things that I do better. But I love reading personal essays yeah. by women and they're wonderful personal essays in this country. And, you know, also like Jaya Tolentino, the writer for The New Yorker who writes mm. about like millennial. And, you know, I find all that stuff so interesting, but I don't think it's where my own strength lies. I think I feel too neurotic to do it.
0: And <laughs> some, I think I would really overthink it. No, I don't want to make you neurotic, but you have <laughs> said neurotic yeah. twice yeah, about yourself. Are you neurotic? Are you Annie Hall in the movie? <laughs> God. Are you, uh, you know, well, no, I'm not, not Woody Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can tell you're, you're not Annie Hall, but are you, uh, what do you call it, Diane Keaton? Yeah. Are you her kind of character? I definitely
1: would overthink a certain, amount of, a certain amount of things. Like I feel, you know, I, I wouldn't, if a certain subject came up on social media and some people respond so promptly, you know, they'd be like, this happened to me. And then, you know, they've, they've got their 2000 word essay out there. And I, I, I don't think I can, I can, do that and it's, it's not a uh, like you know I, I don't really care about how I'm perceived or I, I don't think it's a particular shyness I just think that I, I would be thinking about it from like every possible angle and mm-hmm. like I just don't know if I, I, I could do it but maybe I will you know my, my next book won't be, won't be selling and I'll have 20 <laughs> personal essays out each one more dramatic than the one before <laughs> okay.
0: You heard it here first <laughs> Uh, Your next choice is Karen Dalton. Uh, She's terrific. And I love this. I love this. Something on your mind. Nicole just made a a very perceptive point about that. That, I mean, that's Karen Dalton from a long time ago, but it could have been released this week because it sounds so much like a lot of the indie records that are coming out just now. Not just the music, but the voice and everything. You're right about that, actually, yeah. Um, She's great, Karen Dalton. If you don't know Karen Dalton's music, check her out. Um, Do you do social media? And do do you recommend it? Not necessarily, well, first of all, for a writer and second of all, for any human being... (laughs)
1: I don't recommend it. Um, I don't, I don't, um, I'm not a massive fan. I don't use Instagram. Yeah. Um, and I do use Twitter, much to my regret.
0: Why do you use it? I mean, what for what purpose? I actually
1: only joined three years ago and a friend of mine was like, don't join. And mm. then I was like, oh, why is he telling me not to join? Are right. they all having a great time on there? And they're then I did join.
0: They're all talking about you. Yeah,
1: I was like, What? Well. So, because he told me not to, I did. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I, like I kind of use it to, like post stuff that I've written or whatever, but I'm not hugely into it. And I also feel like, you know, you write something or you you tweet something whatever and then you, like, check it and stuff. And that process just, like, does not feel good. You're like, how many likes did I get? Yeah. You know? And then, like, you reduce your writing to, like... I, re- I recently wrote a book review and, like, it was really interesting for me and I learned a lot and I was reading in around it and then you're, like, then you're like, oh, my book review only got like 125 likes and you completely disregard the process, which was like personal to you of writing it, you know. So it's, a, it's
0: a way of getting the word out. Yeah, but I think you probably I mean, do need it. But beyond that. And, yeah. you, you know, if you follow the right people, you can get a laugh out of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some people are very funny. Yeah.
0: And you can get the news first.
1: Yeah. But, but the other, kind of weird but version but of the news. Yeah.
0: But other than that. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, well what happened? You get the you get the news flash on Twitter and then you turn yeah. on the radio. Yeah. you know, or you turn on the television or whatever.
1: But what you were saying, like you just don't no one on there is like they are in real life, you know? Like like no one comes up to you and like announces themselves. Like they announce themselves on Twitter, like yeah. they, like I
0: won a prize or Well you see that's the thing. If you're for for a writer I wonder how wise it is to be on there. Because mm. most most writers or most people who are doing anything are struggling. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's struggling. Yeah but specifically because you're a writer, mm. you know, you're trying to, you've got a book to write and you can't put two sentences together <laughs> yeah. that day. You know, you're having an awful day yeah, or it's just been rejected. Yeah. Or, or you, and you, you see know.
1: someone tweeting, 3,000 words today. Yeah. And like, oh, God.
0: Like. Oh, yeah, and, and, now, and now I'm off to yoga, <laughs> yeah. you know. At 3,000 words today, I'm on. oh, and by the way, I'm delighted to announce I've just won such and such <laughs> prize and I've, and I've, and I've uh, <laughs> in a six-way auction. For <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. going like, well, these people shut up. I know. Because, you know, and, and, you know, you feel, you know, yeah. it, it can be very dispiriting. Very
1: dispiriting. And like, then you also kind of like end up like getting caught up in it and feeling like, like not like you like you want to take part. And in order to, to like contribute and take part, you have to adopt this persona. Yeah. I guess that I overthink it. Um, I, I just don't I don't think that that that's good. It doesn't like contribute to any like real life relationships and things that I actually do have, you know. Yeah.
0: Do you remember those? No. They're <laughs> no good. <laughs> I
1: all right. hate all my new real life friends. <laughs>
0: we haven't a whole lot of time left, but I want to play your last two choices, Nicole. And this one needs no introduction. <laughs> Modern Love from David Bowie. I said he needed no introduction, but Nicole actually wanted to give an introduction (laughs) to that one. Uh, What what was the...
1: the I just was thinking about, because you were asking about Newark, and that is um, played in Francesa, which is incredibly, like, I feel almost, you know, very aware of myself when I say I really love that film and will always really love that film and will always cry when I watch that film.
0: Sometimes we like our guests to cry during this programme. Do you? Do you? You're, oh, you're, I will you're, cry. You're a massive disappointment to me. I was that. told
1: that I would cry during my master's <laughs> and I never did, so <laughs> not during this programme.
0: Well, Nicole, thanks for coming in. It was great to have you <laughs> in. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, um, likewise. Uh, you know, writers can be tricky people. <laughs> uh, but it was great, and great choices in music. And you, you've, you've won more. Yes. And uh, Fleetwood Mac. Oh, yes, yes. So wh- where and when... What, what, where does this bring you, Fleetwood Mac, Silver Springs?
1: I was, I was talking um, before about listening to... My friend's dad used to play a lot of, like, music. And I remember he put on, um, like, being in a car with him and he put on Rumours. And I just remember, like, I think it was, like, 10 or 11, being like, this is, like... Like, it felt really adult. Like, that yeah. album feels like... So, if you haven't heard it before, like, it feels like something that you can't, like, express. And, like, just watching love to write about this actually watching him listen to that album is yeah. like but this song is I don't think it was on rumours originally but uh,
0: yeah whatever. So Nicole Show Them A Good Time is your book of short stories published originally by Stinging Fly also published now by Bloomsbury mm-hmm. and your next book um, will be out in 2021 Hopefully. And it's called Nothing Special Hopefully <laughs> Am I in it? You're you're going to be in a net. Red, it's red. going to be a big DJ kind of <laughs> section. <Okay. laughs> Nicole Flattery, thanks very much. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks.
1: You've been listening to a podcast of Mystery Train with John Kelly. Mystery Train hits the rails every Sunday to Thursday at 7pm on 96-99 to RTE Lyric FM.